Welcome to Public Domain Video Theater presented by the great detectives of old time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Today we're going to bring you an episode of Richard Diamond. It's actually based on an old radio script, but not a radio script from Richard Diamond. We'll let you know what radio series originally used this story after the program. This one originally aired August the 26th of 1957. It was season one, episode nine, and the title is The Torch Carriers. busy guy. The phone has a pleasant habit of ringing, and on the other end of the line, somebody has a problem they want me to solve. Now, this is always very pleasing to me, because that somebody with a problem also is somebody who ends up giving me a nice, fat check. Mr. Diamond? Uh-huh. My name is Virginia Malcolm. Well, come in, Miss Malcolm. Thank you. 
what can I do for you? Can I help you? I hope so. Let me get your chair. Mr. Diamond, did you ever hear of Marty Stopker? Uh, that I have. I was a cop once. I arrested him for making books. It's come up a few notches since then. What's your connection with Marty Stopker? Nothing very pleasant, I'm afraid. Well, disgust me. Here. No, thanks. I owe Mr. Stopker some money. For what? For a loan he gave me on a pearl necklace. The value? $5,000. And the loan? $1,000. Mr. Diamond, I've got to get the necklace back. Now. Now, you tell me the truth, huh? The truth? But I... Who really owns a necklace? What makes you think I don't? Head to toe. Your clothing is very neat, but it's inexpensive. Your shoes are last year's cut, and your perfume is nice, but it's domestic. Did you steal it? Oh, no. I... Well, I... I borrowed it. My aunt was away. I needed some money. I was supposed to get some from an investment I made. Hmm. But it didn't come through, so you borrowed Auntie's necklace and hocked it with Marty Stock. Yes, and now my aunt's coming back. Tomorrow. Don't you get mixed up with a guy like Stopkey anyway? A fellow I went out with once. He knew him. He did it as a favor. Now, there's a nice fellow. Oh, why'd you come to me? Why'd you go to Stopkey? Because I can't find him. He's not at the club he runs, and everybody I talked to there told me to stop asking questions. The police can't find Marty either, Virginia. What do they want him for? Well, almost anything you can name from one time to another... Right now, it's a cheap racketeer by the name of O'Connor. We found him dead in the basement a couple of days ago, beaten to a pub. And Stopka killed him? Well, he could have. And so could a dozen others like him. So now the net's out and everybody's laying low. Mr. Diamond, I've got to get the necklace back. I have the thousand dollars, and I'll pay you for your time. Well, I get a hundred dollars a day in expenses. A hundred? Uh, fifty after lunch. I think I can manage that. No, Rick. We don't have a line on Stopka yet. But we will. Tonight? Oh, tonight, tomorrow night, the night after. You know how we public detectives are. Slow and steady. Yeah. Plodding all the time. All right, fellas. Now, cut it out. We, I told you it's important to me. Time counts. Okay, Rick. We don't have a thing. There's five or six A1 suspects laying just as low as Stopka. We're working on them all. Well, uh, how far have you gone with Stopka? No, the usual distance. We've checked the stoolies. Now we're working on his private life. A brother in Newark, ex-partner in Staten Island, a dame named Nancy Cooper. Nancy Cooper? Used to be a singer. You know her? Um, well, I think I caught her act once. Uh, you wouldn't know where you could catch her now, would you? No. Well, uh, thanks anyhow. I'll, I'll try again later, Lieutenant. Do that. So long. So long. Riker. Riker. Tail him. Shame, shame on you both. About two months ago, I'd run into a little Broadway agent named Benny. And on his arm was a dame called Nancy Cooper. I phoned Benny's office. He was out, so I left a message for him to call me at the lunch counter. 
Ricky. Hello, Benny. I'm waiting for your call. Got your message. It was in the neighborhood. Say, Benny, you remember I ran into you about a month ago at the Latin Quarter? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. You were sitting with a girl and you introduced her as Nancy Cooper. Said you wanted her as a client. Sure, I remember. She was Marty Stopka's girl. Was? They were beefing all the time. Understand Marty gave her the brush not too long ago. I see. I'd still like to meet her, Benny. I can give you her address. It's a new one. I couldn't ask for anything more. Say, Benny, do you think she'll remember our meeting at the quarter? Mm, doubt it. It was pretty late, and she was pretty, well... Yeah. Why? Well, you introduced me as a detective. You know, some people are allergic to my profession. Benny gave me Nancy Cooper's new address, and I hopped over there as fast as eight cylinders could take me. Okay, okay, I'm coming. Miss Cooper? Why? Well, I'm Fred Grebel. I'm a friend of Marty's. Marty Sopkin. Don't spell it. What do you want? Well, I, uh, I want to get in touch with Marty. He said I could, I could find him through you if he wasn't around. When did he say that? Uh, a couple of months ago, out on the coast. He said you'd know where he'd be if things were a little quiet in town. Things have changed in town, Mr. Grable. Uh, Grable. I'm not that close to Marty Stopka anymore. Did we meet out on the coast? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I remember you all right. It's just like Marty said, you're as pretty as a picture. <laughs> Cut it out. Don't you catch on? Marty and I are... Ex-friends. We're through. Washed up. Kaput. I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks. What was it you wanted with Marty? A business proposition. I doubt if he'll be in the mood. He's too busy mourning his lost love. Well, I, I thought that you said that... No, not me. I'm the old girl, last year's model. Her name was Ruth Calder. She was killed night before last in an auto accident. Was Marty with her? No. No, she was alone. And drunk. Marty had no business taking up with her in the first place. She was no good. Cheap, flashy dime a dozen. Didn't have an honest bone in her body. That's quite a torture, Karen, ma'am. Yeah. What can I do about it? Well, I don't know, it's true love, I guess nothing. What else could it be? Injured pride. If that's the case, you'll walk out on Marty one of these days, uh, take a trip someplace, start all over again. You're quite a philosopher, Mr. Grable. Grable, honey. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was it you wanted? Marty. Oh, yeah. Well, he's probably down at the 81st Street Pier. You know the place, don't you? <laughs> sure, sure I do. Well, uh, come on, Nancy. Then wait. That thing about it being love or injured pride, is that something I have to figure out for myself, huh? I'd say so. So long. So long, Mr. Green.
out. My name is Richard Diamond, Mr. Stapka. I'm a private detective. What do I do, applaud? What do you want? I want a little information about a pearl necklace. Try Tiffany's. We're fresh out. Now, Marty, this is a used one. It belongs to Virginia Malcolm, and she has $1,000, and she wants it back. Hello? Speaking. Sure, it's a deal. No, no, not here. I'll have to pick up the stuff at my village place. It'll be a half hour. Right. Goodbye. I never heard of anyone named Virginia Malcolm or her pearl necklace or her thousand dollars. Honest. This is Diamond, Virginia. Did you find him, Mr. Diamond? Uh-huh. He's at his place in the village, wherever that is. I know the place. Do you? Uh, no, I don't, Virginia. That's only half of what I don't know. Now, Marty Stopka says he's never heard of Virginia Malcolm or her pearl necklace. That's right, Mr. Diamond. He hasn't. There is no pearl necklace. And my name isn't Virginia Malcolm. Well, now, look, I don't get this. Why did you want me to find Marty? What do you want with him? His life. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. You're tickling me. I bet you don't laugh. I pass. Hardware. You're sure simple. You thought you could sneak up on Marty without anybody knowing it, didn't you, huh? We all make mistakes. Oh, yes, but you made big ones, stupid. I told Marty you were going to be here 30 minutes ago. You know that? Huh? Uh, well, who told you? Oh, my baby, my baby blues. I... I saw you poking around out there over an hour ago. But Marty figured maybe some clumsy chum of the late Mr. O'Connor come to even up the score, even though Marty wasn't the one who dropped him. Hey, well, look, buddy, buddy, I have nothing to do with O'Connor. I... Oh, of course not. We're just standing around here for the laughs, that's right. Now, you go on over there, sit down, put both your hands in your lap. You know what I mean? Come on, come on. <laughs> that's a boy. It's more like it. Now we'll just wait until Wilbur gets here. Who's Wilbur? Oh, nobody important. He holds this. Then it leaves both my hands free to wallop the daylights out of you. What's a five-letter word for a river in France? Seine. No, it begins with an I. Rhone. R-H-O-N-E. H. Oh, Andy. Say, you're very good at this. <laughs> you know, I hope we get to finish this. Wilbur's usually late. Uh, I hope Wilbur gets killed crossing a street. <laughs> you sure got a sense of humor. <laughs> now, look, friend, I'm getting a little fidgety. Mind if I stand up? That's all right. Don't do too fast, though. I'm thinking. Hey, what's next? Uh, full cross. To diminish in size and brilliance in four letters, the third one's an N. Third letter's an N, huh? Diminishing size and brilliance. Uh, how about uh, Wayne? W-A-N-E. On the button. Here's one especially for you. A chump who thinks he can pick up a gun, turn, aim, and fire before another just squeezes a trigger. Cow sucker. S-U-C-K-E-R. You're a very smart man. 
That must be Wilbur. In high heels? Huh? The philosopher has muscles. What uh, was the beef? A crossword puzzle. One word led to another, you know. Anyway, thanks for showing up. You even decides. <laughs> Don't mention it. You did me a good turn. I uh, decided to take that trip you spoke about. Turns out it was injured pride and pity. You come say goodbye to Marty? Yeah. Well, he's not here. Do you know where his place in the village is? Sure. Let's go. Wait. Wilbur, put that down. Mr. Gribble's a friend of Marty's. Mr. Who? Allow me, Wilbur. Honey, my name isn't Grebel or Grable. It's Richard Dime. Shamus. Why, you love... Uh, 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 steady. I got into this another way. A client of mine who calls herself Virginia Malcolm is out to kill Marty. She's at his place in the village right now. And Wilbur, if you don't let us get there, you're never going to see Marty alive again. Listen, this, this Virginia Malcolm, is she a pretty brunette? About my size? That's right. How'd you know her? I ran across her when I was keeping tabs on Ruth Calder. She's Ruth's sister. What? Can't talk. What did you do to Corky? Uh, we had an argument. And I killed him. No, you didn't. Now, did. you had nothing to do with it. You killed Corky? That's right. You know something, Mr. Diamond? Corky was my buddy. We worked together. Like on a team, me and Corky did. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'll just stand there. Come on. looking for a girlfriend's apartment. I don't think you'll find her here. There's only one apartment in this building. That's on the fourth floor. The rest of the building is full of dress manufacture. Oh, thank you for telling me, but I think I'll just go in and check. I, I told you you wouldn't find her here. There's a guy in that apartment that kind of likes his privacy. You'll get nothing but trouble if you go in there. But I'm sure I have the right address. I have the number right here in my purse. All right, mister, you don't need to say anything else. Look, lady, I don't know what this is all about. I've told you, you talked enough. I'm not afraid to use this gun, so you'd better do what I tell you to. What do you want me to do? We're going to pay a little visit to your boss, Marty Stopka. Now get going. A little faster, huh, driver? Any faster and we'll end up like O'Connor. O'Connor? Yeah, tell me about O'Connor. Marty kill him? No. Well, what's the connection? Ruth Calder. You mean the girl that was killed in the accident? She was running around with O'Connor when Marty wasn't looking. Well, what's that got to do with O'Connor being murdered? He wasn't murdered. He was killed in the auto accident with Ruth. And now, honey, the police found his body in the cellar. Where Marty put it. I found out that Ruth and O'Connor were going to someplace in Connecticut for dinner. So I made Marty drive me out there to prove I was telling the truth. And that's where the accident happened? Yeah. They missed a curve in the road and ran into a stone wall. Must have been going 90. 
both of them had been drinking. Tell Mr. Stocker you want to talk to him. Get him to open the door. And remember, I may not look very strong, but it doesn't take much strength to pull this trigger. get any ideas about playing the big he-man. Just go ahead and knock. Yeah, who is it? It's me, Marty. What are you doing up here, Reed? I told you to watch that downstairs door. I'm sorry, Marty, but I gotta see. It's important. Okay, just a minute. All right, Mr. Stopka. Put your hands up. Sorry, bosses. Dame surprised me. I didn't figure she was the type that had a gun in her purse. What is this? I don't know you. But I know you, Mr. Stopka. Now back up slowly. We're coming inside. Get in the closet. No dame locks me in no closet. I don't know what she wants, but you better do what she says. Come on, get in the closet. door. All right, now maybe you'll tell me what this is all about. I'll be glad to, Mr. Stopka. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Sit down. So then Marty knew that you were telling the truth about it. No. Marty didn't know anything at first, except that she was dead. He kept saying her name over and over again. Like he could bring her back to life by doing that. Then he got sore and blamed the whole thing on O'Connor. Then he walked over to me and said, Baby, you gotta help me. Ruthie can't be found with this crumb. He thought I was carrying a torch, huh? Yeah. Well, then he, uh, then he took O'Connor's body out of the car and drove it back to town, huh? Yeah. This is it. Uh, you wait here, honey. I'll say your goodbyes to Marty. If he's able to hear him. I worshipped Ruth, Mr. Stopka. And you killed her. Ruth was killed in an auto accident, you know that. You put her there. The police said she was speeding and drinking. My sister never did things like that. she took up with you. You killed her just as though you'd shot her. The way I'm going to shoot you. You got your facts wrong, lady. Her sister was as bad as they come. You stay out of this, Mr. Diamond. This is no concern of yours. She was a cheat, a liar, and a two-timer. Stop it. The very night she was killed, she was double-crossing him for the kind of guy that you'd never even heard of. He took the man's body out of the car. You're a liar. He risked his life so that your sister wouldn't be found dead in the company of the cheapest trash there is. You know why he did it? Because he loved your sister every bit as much as you did. No. No, you're not telling me the truth. That I am, ma'am, and I can prove it. Now, you ask him 
If he loved your sister and you hold the gun in your hand. And if you don't believe it, you use it. Did you love my sister? I still do. You're right, Lieutenant. And another thing, Diamond. If Marty Stopka hadn't said just the right words, that girl would have shot him. Yes, Lieutenant. You're right, Lieutenant. Yeah. You know where that would have left you? Practically an accomplice to murder. Not to mention your earlier exploits. Assault and battery. Breaking and entering. Suppressing information. Obstructing justice. And stop that gibbering. Diamond. I'm still here, Lieutenant. Well, actually, you you helped quite a few people, so I'm letting you off the hook. Good night, Rick. Good night, Lieutenant. Welcome back. Now to answer that big trivia question from the start of the program. This was actually based on a script used for the adventures of Philip Marlowe back on January the 7th of 1950. The script to that radio program as well as this TV episode was written by Gene Levitt who was a CBS staff writer on the adventures of Philip Marlowe. He later would write for the lineup. I wanted on to have a very successful career in television. He's probably most famous as the creator of Fantasy Island. Of the two versions of this story, I prefer the radio version, but that's probably because I think that the Philip Marlowe radio program is a bit stronger than the Richard Diamond TV show. Either way, it's a pretty intriguing plot that's well played out. One highlight of this version is an appearance by John Duchesne. His biggest recurring role was as Lieutenant Weston on the series Lockup. I presented some unhosted episodes of those uh, videos a few years back, and I hope we get to revisit uh, Lockup, because it's an outstanding series. Most of uh, Duchesne's work was in character work, both on films and on television. And he was really good. That voice is just incredibly powerful. In this episode, he can kind of play dumb, but manage to still work in a little bit of menace. When he lets Diamond know he's not quite as dumb as Diamond seems to think. So overall, a really nice episode of Richard Diamond. 
and a reminder that the golden age of radio lived on in many ways, and in one of those ways was through the reuse of radio scripts on early television. Next time, we'll bring you an episode of Dragnet, but for now, that'll do it. Join us back here next time for another episode of Public Domain Video Theater. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And if you like these videos, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.